It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. We'll bounce back. This team's this team was great in February last year, and and uh, can't let a loss. We're a game out of first, you know. And, and you're playing for still playing for a championship. This game doesn't define anything uh, uh, yet. With eight games to go. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the morning after of the uh, big game in Champaign last night. Maryland defeats the Fighting Illini by a score of 75-66. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. This is the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock today. Phone line is open. Plenty of time for your calls. If you um, slept on it and have some thoughts this morning, we'd love to hear from you. Nice atmosphere at the State Farm Center. But uh, Maryland comes in after falling behind by 14 at the 10-minute mark and comes back and beats the Illini 75-66. Mr. Tate, how you doing this morning? Well, I'm disappointed. Uh, disappointed with the play, and uh, we found some some real problems uh, in going against the zone again. Yes, indeed, and uh, that's two games in a row now, and you're going <laughs> to more face some zones, aren't you? Going to more likely see that they had trouble with the the regular zone defense, the zone press, as well, and uh, the issue of. When do you take a guy out with two fouls, or do you take a guy out with two fouls? Came up again, and uh, we'll talk uh, more about that along the way. We'll hear from uh, Brad Underwood and Mark Turgeon, the two coaches in the ball game, as well. So, uh, again, if you'd like to join us, feel free to do so. That was the only game on the Big Ten uh, schedule last night, a sold-out crowd. The uh, arena was energized from uh, the get-go, but uh, Maryland had a way. Well, I like their team. I think you we're probably looking at the Big Ten champion right there. You're looking at two great players that really make everybody else better. I mean, Cowan makes every his uh, dribble penetration ability uh, really sets up with other people extremely well, as well as himself. And Smith, with 11 rebounds and 11 points, he'll score more than that most of the time. He really dominated Kofi. They did, by the way, Steve, double-team practically every time that Illinois threw the ball, which wasn't enough. Illinois couldn't seem to get the ball to Kofi very much, and when they did, they double-teamed, forcing him to pass, and uh, some of it worked. He made a nice pass to to uh, Nichols for a basket, I remember, and but still, uh, they were able to to really hold him. I mean, one basket by Kofi, one basket by Trent, one basket by Georgie. I mean, that's three of your starters get one basket apiece in the game. And it's, you know, it's just not enough. I mean, I thought Feliz did a great job coming off the bench, and, and that's great, but uh, you, you need more than that. you got to have some consistency from the starters. Yeah, they were head 31-17 to 17 there at about midway point through the first half, and then uh, Turgeon got a little upset uh, with a couple of calls, got a technical, and then uh, changed that defense and – yeah, they got it down to two at halftime. Everything looked to me like if you're just going to analyze the first 11 minutes, everything was perfect. You had DeMonte Williams makes two baskets after making no baskets in January. Uh, then you had two technicals on the bench. Uh, they were in disarray. They were confused. Illinois was rolling. 
And Feliz made three straight lines. If he hadn't made the third one, I don't know. The third one, I think, they just set off Turgeon. He said, we got to get out of this man to man. We can't guard him because Iowa was doing the same thing. He was driving for the basket. And once that happened, they couldn't drive. Illinois couldn't drive anymore. And that and, and they weren't effective getting the ball inside. So they went a neck they went a solid twenty minutes, half of the game from that point, the next twenty minutes, they made four field goals in twenty nine minutes. I'm sorry, in twenty nine shots in twenty minutes. Four for twenty nine in twenty minutes. They got it down to forty two to forty at halftime, then Illinois starts the second half going one for seventeen from the field. And by the way, how are they doing on free throws? <laughs> Ten missed free throws by a college team. Come on. Ten. Georgie goes 0 for 4 from the free throw line. He did, and two of those were really in a key spot right after he had made a a turnover, a key costly turnover on a rebound at the uh, south end there. So uh, not a great game for him, but uh, give credit to uh, Maryland. They came in and did what they had to do. They've won three straight games on the road, something Illinois had accomplished. But now Illinois is... 0 for 2 in February, and coming down the stretch with uh, Michigan State coming in on Tuesday. Michigan State plays today at Michigan, and uh, the Spartans are on a two-game losing streak at the moment. Other games today in the Big Ten, Purdue plays at Indiana, Minnesota is at Penn State, Nebraska is at Iowa later on this afternoon. Two games tomorrow, Ohio State at Wisconsin and Northwestern at Rutgers. Let us know what you thought about the, the ball game last night. What, let us know what you think going forward from this point as the Illini are now 16 and 7 on the season and 8 and 4 in the Big 10. Some other notes uh, on this Saturday morning, the Illini women's basketball team plays again tomorrow at Penn State as uh, Illinois women's team looks for its second Big 10 win of the season. That'll have to come on the road if it comes tomorrow. 1 o'clock is game time there. Illinois wrestling ranked 15th in the country, wins at Rutgers. Rutgers was number 25 in the country, 29-6 to the final there. For That's Jim. pretty decisive. It is. Jim Heffernan's team, they've won four straight now. They're 8-3 and three overall, 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. They travel to Maryland for a Sunday afternoon match. Struggles continue for Illini men's tennis as they lost at home to number 3 Florida, 7 to nothing. Brad Dancer's team now... One and four on the season. They'll take on number 24, Central Florida, tomorrow at noon. Women's tennis lost in Chicago to UCLA, four to nothing. Softball opened its season with a game and an exhibition. They beat Liberty in the season opener down in Clearwater, Florida, eight to two. Then they played the Team USA, who scored four runs in the first and seven in the second, and they won 11 to nothing in five innings, Team USA. Well, That's an exhibition, doesn't count, and nice experience. The uh, softball team will play two more games today and one tomorrow down in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Mike Small's men's golf team is down south as well. They'll play in the uh, Mobile Sports Authority Intercollegiate in Alabama Monday and Tuesday. That'll be the official season opening event, while the other 13 teams are playing in the uh, Big Ten Match Play Challenge down in Florida, Illinois, not participating in that. High school hoops, plenty of coverage in today's News Gazette. If you'd like to check out uh, the scores, one highlight here in town, Urbana beat uh, Champaign Central 69-65. Fourth straight win for the Tigers. They're now 14-10, and 
Central falls to 12 and 12. Those are some of the headlines here on Saturday morning, Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. A couple of interesting games collegiately later on. Bill Self goes for win number 700 in his career. Later today, they play at TCU. And Duke and North Carolina play today. And, you know, in the last 100 games between those two teams, Lauren? Yeah, they're even, aren't 50 they? 50 wins apiece <laughs> in one of the uh, great college basketball rivalries. So we'll get uh, some other thoughts going for you here on uh, last night's game as well. Again, we'd love to hear from you. Our guest lineup goes something like this at about 9.30. We'll check in with former Illini Bruce Douglas. He was at the game last night uh, getting a look at the Fighting Illini. He's been watching all season, had a chance to visit with him a little last night, and he'll join us live this morning. And uh, coming in, we'll also hear from Brad Underwood and Mark Turgeon, the uh, two opposing coaches last night. At 10 o'clock, David Jones out at Happy Valley from PennLive.com. We'll talk some uh, basketball with us, Penn State basketball, Big Ten basketball, and anything else that might be on his mind this morning at 10:30 from BTN Jess Settles will settle in with us for a few minutes to uh, talk about Big Ten basketball. In the meantime, plenty of time for an open line on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Well, you're, you're I staring at me like you were. No, I, I just think that there's so much about this basketball game that we've got to discuss, and it, I don't, I don't know, hardly know where to start because. Uh, the zones had such an enormous... Now, by the way, they didn't stay in the zone the whole time. They went back and forth several, several times. Yep. And, but, but once they went into it, they had some success. <laughs> I was thinking, why would you ever come out? And when they come out, Illinois would tend to be able to, to, to penetrate some. But, you know, Illinois ha- has had a problem all year, I think, in, in a lot of... In, at least in the important games, of getting the ball into Kofi on the block. And it just hasn't been very effective. And then when they go into the zone, you've got to get the ball interior. If you if you don't, you're going to wind up shooting threes all night. And Illinois is not a very good shooting three team. They're not. I mean, for the season, they they've shown that they're they're very poor. They're I, I, I a week ago. I, I haven't checked it today. A week ago, out of 350 teams, they were like 280. That means 275 teams and plus are are shooting the three better than Illinois, and that, that's that's not good. And I don't know what you can do about it, but they're starting the game with two guys who essentially are non-shooters. That's and and they're both of them are on the perimeter. I mean, they're using uh, Deshaunis Philly on the on the perimeter a lot, and then of course uh, Williams is on the perimeter, and that allows them to do things uh, to Frazier that he he may not be accustomed to. If Frazier played for Penn State, and he had a player like Cowan, he'd be a better player because Cowan makes everybody on his team so much better. And they're going to get the same thing Tuesday night with Winston. Winston, some say, is the best, you know, was the best player in the league until Garza went crazy. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's going to be hard because once again, they've got, the, they'll have the best two players on the court. Now, now, what, what Tillman the, and, and Winston. One of the things about Winston and Cowan, they have a lot of things in common, but they're four-year guys. Mm-hmm. When you can keep a guy four years, it's that good. That's why if you've got a guard that isn't quite athletic enough for the NBA, that's what you know. That's what I'm hopeful that Illinois might have in Corbello when they get him. And he's a guy that you'd think would be around for a while. Uh, I think it's pretty well uh, – I, I think Iowa is going to go pro whether he gets drafted or not. I mean, there were a lot of players, by the way, last year 
who left and you know and, and weren't drafted. I mean, o- over forty left early in the country that were not drafted. That's a lot of guys that are just taking a big risk, and that, and that seems to be the everybody wants to test the waters. Everybody wants to make that next step, and teams are are suffering because of it. Let's go to the phones. The phone lines are open three five six nine three nine seven. We started off with Alan in Montrose. Hey, Alan. Morning, guys. Uh, when we started this five-game stretch, I was a little bit blurry what might happen. And uh, as hot as we were, I'm afraid we can be easily have a five-game losing streak here. And uh, I guess that's really where Illinois is, somewhere in the middle of the pack. Uh, I'm concerned about how everybody's figured out now what our weakness is, and that's the zone. We don't, we're not very effective against the zone. Until we crack that, I think we're really going to struggle the rest of the year. What do you suggest he do? You got any ideas? I mean, I really, uh, Griffin got hot a little bit. Frazier has been on and off hot. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't getting any shots off, and they weren't loving him either. But uh, well, it's hard to get shots off when you're on the bench. With he spent over 13 well, minutes of the first half on the bench. Over 13 minutes. I mean, you. Why was that? I didn't get to see. Well, he had two fouls. He had two fouls, and he took him out and left him there. And then when he came back, as happens so often, you leave a guy on the bench that long, and when they come back, they're not very effective. For some reason, I've noticed that a lot. I mean, not just in Illinois. I mean, if you take a guy out and leave him on the bench for 13 minutes, the last 13 minutes of half, and then you set him around during halftime, and you come back out, they just never seem to get in rhythm. And well, he did. The last didn't. three or four games, he started out with two two fouls, and he's had to set the bench. And, well, and then he'd make look, a couple, and then he'd have to set. I know. The simple thing, and I'm repeating myself, is you put him on somebody other than Cowan. Keep him in the game, but just have him guard somebody who isn't real clever with the dribble that's going to get you in foul trouble. You can play you can play basketball without fouling. Everybody can. You just have to, I mean, and so if he fouls out, at least you've got the most minutes out of him you could get. I mean, isn't that the most – I mean, is it so important that a guy be in there the last two or three minutes of a game? I know I know he's important and he makes free throws, but how important is it to have him in there during the game when he's, when he's so critical to the team? Who was DeMonte guarding last night? Well, he started out against Morcel, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, but he could have moved. He could have moved over. I mean, and and then you got the problem with how much how much time do you give uh, DeMonte with his offensive and you know uh, shortcomings? I understand that. I, I don't but, know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't. I, I mean, they they. There's a lot of weaknesses in this team. There's a lot of shortcomings. We've got a short. Yeah. And I, you know, I can start naming them, but. This is not a this is not a team that looks to me like it's a championship team in the Big Ten. It's it it's competitive in a in a league that I consider down overall. Uh, I mean everybody's uh, about the same now. Maybe maybe you're going to conclude that Maryland's a little better because they've moved out on top. But they've won they've won three games. They won they won a game against Indiana that was lost. They won a game against uh, Northwestern when they were down. I mean, I, it's wonderful to be able to come back like that, but you can't count on making all those threes every time, and yet they've done it. I just, I don't know. I just, I just think that, uh, I, you know, it's 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 a league that's wide open for anybody that can put together a win streak. I'm concerned about the uh, way uh, 
Georgia's playing now. Well, uh, he's it's been not all year. Very well, and he made a critical error pass in the backcourt. Uh, they got a three out of it, and they never trailed from there on. I mean, we had a chance when they, we had the rebound. He threw the ball away, and yeah, they made a three. And second game in a row, he's done that exact same thing. Yes, he has. But you've got Georgie playing out of position. You've got a player. You can't. This is not the Georgie of last year. I, I no. you know, just just about this time last year, he had thirty-five points against Rutgers. He's just about this time last year, they went on a little four-game winning streak, and and uh, things were looking better. And Georgie was a huge part of that. But when you move him to the basically move him to the perimeter, move him outside. You take away what he does best. His best is with his back to the basket low. And even then, now, I think he, when he does get it there, I think he's overthinking it some. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, he's, he's struggling. Yeah. He's struggling. Yeah. There's no question. His shot, his shot doesn't look the same. I mean, it looks <coughs> too flat. I mean, he used to have a little bit of an arch last year, but this year it's like he's throwing it straight to the rim instead of putting a little arch on it. Hey, good stuff, Alan. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Phone line is open. Let's go uh, back to the phones here before our first break. And our friend Marty in North Carolina with us. Hey, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Tough one. Yep. Tough one last night. Uh, You ask what you could do differently. A couple little things. Uh, You could flash Io and you could flash Georgia into the high post against zones uh, so that you can kick the ball from inside out or from high to low. I especially like Io in there because he can drive once he gets it in the middle of the zone. Quick dribble and he's at the basket. Um, they miss free throws. I mean, they've, they've had periods this year where they've had offensive uh, lapses for a while. But if they make their free throws, that's in anybody's game down the stretch, and it plays out totally differently because you're not fouling, you're not doing things at the end of the game. Absolutely. So, and, you know, if we go back to the Michigan game, they had six straight free throws at the yeah. end of the game. And Michigan well, missed five of six, and yep. in fact they missed the last five, and that was the difference in the game. Illinois wouldn't have won otherwise. Go back and think about Minnesota. Think about Rutgers at home. They made free throws down the stretch, mm-hmm. and they made them during the game. It this depends is, on a, a free throw shooting team. Well, it depends just, on who's shooting them too. If, if well, it, sure it does, Lauren. Mm-hmm. But you know, Georgie made free throws in a couple of those games, and last night zero for four, and he looked bad at it. He had a bad game. They. Frazier had a bad game, was on the bench. A lot of things worked against them, even though they got off to a great start. But uh, they can work against the zone because they did that very well against Northwestern, but they knew Northwestern was going to play zone the whole time. And the zone press surprised them. And almost everybody who plays against the zone press they're not expecting will turn the ball over once or twice, and that will turn the game around a little bit. Turgeon did a good job making a change because they weren't stopping Illinois. And Illinois is going to see a lot of zone, and they'll have to play better against it, and they'll have to get the ball inside to out, and then they can be a decent three-point shooting team. They're not a good three-point shooting team passing the ball around the outside to get one. Yeah, pass the ball around the outside makes it a longer shot usually, too. They're not getting, oh, right, yeah. on, they're not getting right on the arc. Well, it's also not a rhythm shot, and it's not an open shot usually. In other words, it's contested usually. If you can get the ball in the gut of the zone and kick it out, you'll get an uncontested three, and those are the kind that people make. Anyway, tough loss. The league is. Lauren, I agree with you. I don't know that it's down, down. It's just balanced across the board. I'll tell you what it's like, even though it's different. It's like the 88-89 season, except 
they don't have great teams like they had then and a lot of NBA stars, but it was balanced. Every night was a dogfight, and this is a dogfight every night. I mean, Northwestern can jump up and beat you if you don't come ready to play. So that's just the way it is. And I don't, I'm not worried they're going to lose five straight games, even though it's tough. Uh, Georgie isn't necessarily playing out of position. He's just playing differently than last year. He's a four in the long run, even though he plays better right last year. He had to play inside, but you don't want him inside because defensively he's not a stopper inside. You need that big rim protector in there. So he'll be okay. They'll be okay. All right, Marty, good to hear from you. Yep. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yep. 921, we'll take a break. We'll keep the phone lines open, 356-9397. Love to hear from you. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back with more coming up after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. Steve Kelly with you until 11. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Love to hear from you on the ball game last night. If you were one of the... Uh, 15,000 plus in attendance. Let us know what you thought of the situation, the atmosphere, the experience, or if you watched and listened on the radio and maybe watched a little bit alongside while you listened on the radio on television. Let us know what you thought of that ball game. What do you think of the future? We're going to hear some comments now from both head coaches, Brad Underwood and Mark Turgeon. Here's Coach Underwood's comment last night in case you uh, haven't had a chance to hear it yet after the uh, ball game in the media press conference. Give Maryland a lot of credit. Um, they showed why they're one of the top 10 teams in the country tonight. And uh, uh, in particular, Anthony Cowan. It's a four-year starter. Um, thought through his own foul trouble, but uh, you really, really controlled the game. And uh, uh, got off to a great start, obviously. Uh, they went zone. Um, and we had some unfortunate and different lineups, so to speak, uh, because of foul trouble. And, um, you know, thought we, we got some decent looks, but um, it, it changed the rhythm of the game. The one thing we talked about uh, at length was transition with Maryland, especially Wiggins. Wiggins got two clean looks at threes at the end of the half. Uh, it changes the game, changes um, – uh, momentum, I thought, um, you know, you get outscored, what do we get outscored? 21 to 3 in fast break points. Uh, that's very, very unusual for us. And uh, then on the other side, uh, the second half, uh, we open the half and Iowa gets a four footer that he never misses. And uh, in return, they shoot a three off the flat iron and it falls in. And, and it was, I think we were one for our first 13. Uh, we got a couple great looks in the, in the paint. Uh, and then we got um, just quit moving the ball. That's Brad Underwood after the ball game last night. More comments from him coming up. Again, the phone line open is open. Let's go back to that uh, phone line now at 356-9397. Steve in Princeton. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I was just listening to some of the comments, and I just heard Coach Underwood's comments. But – did they change any strategy in Illinois? You talk about Mark Turgeon going from the zone to the uh, zone trap press and everything that disrupted Illinois. Did Illinois try and change any strategy to disrupt what Maryland was doing? Well, I think that uh, – no, I think that Illinois stays with their man-to-man. For, I heard uh, somebody – I heard Turgeon talk about Illinois going to a, 
the triangle in two. Did you see that, Steve? I didn't pick that up. I didn't either. I thought that, I don't know it was a man-to-man, and I just missed it, I guess. But uh, I I just think that their their man-to-man defense has been real good lately, and I I don't know how what more they can do. I, I do you? I mean, I I don't see. I don't know what they can do defensively that they're not doing other than leave their players in. You could leave Fraser in. You could leave Kofi in longer. Kofi's critical defensively. But I was just wondering about, uh, like I said, does Illinois ever try a zone? You know, man-to-man's what they predicate on, and that's what they want to do, but did they ever try a zone? No, I, I don't think so. I, I think Illinois has – I don't – I think he feels like the man-to-man is, is definitely their, the defense that they want to use. The, the ridiculous part about this game is that nobody noticed Maryland shot 60% in the first half. 60%. Some of those threes were ridiculous, like the flat iron shot he brought. That was later, but yeah. but uh, th- those two – you know, he, I think I think he was keeping uh, – I think he was keeping Kofi and Frazier on the bench because he had like a 6-8 point lead. He had what he – he thought he was going to get out of the half with a, with a decent lead, and then Wiggins hit those two threes right at the right at the gun, both on uh, open court situations. I think those are both fast break baskets. I know the second one was, the last one was, and I and then it was down to two, and you just had a feeling, oh no, we just blew a really nice lead, and uh, and had our best two of our best players on the bench. But I agree with you when White put a player on the bench with two fouls. And he ends the game with four fouls, and you lost maybe ten or fifteen minutes. But well, play him till they foul out. Absolutely, you know that's me. But I, that's why I'm not a coach. I guess that's why both of us aren't coaches. Well, Frazier ended the game with three fouls. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I, you leave him in. Leave him in the game. Uh, not maybe take him out for a few minutes, talk to him, and then put him back on on somebody other than Cowan. Don't give him a, a difficult defensive assignment. You can hide a guy defensively, can't you? I, I think you can. I think you can hide a guy out there on the court, put him against their weakest defensive player, and let him play, and and move it around so that somebody. You know, I, I thought Frazier did a decent job on Cowan. Cowan's going to get fifteen or twenty every game, regardless. I mean, he is. He's just that good. He he'll be an all first five Big Ten player. I think. I I think he's he and Winston might be the best two guards in the league, aren't they? I think so. Anything else, Steve? That's good enough. Appreciate your comment. Yep, appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Three five six nine three nine seven. In Champaign, Rachel is with us. Go ahead, Rachel. Good morning, fellows. I was at the game last night. It was wonderful to see the crowd there, and they really got into it. The first thing that I noticed, and all during the game, was the font that they used on the scoreboard. I found it difficult to read, uh, you know, do you know what I'm speaking of, the font? And other yes, words, yeah, I noticed it was different, too. Yes, I'm wondering uh, if you could find out why they did that and if they might change it back, because I wasn't the only one who uh, was concerned about it and found it difficult to read. So I'll just listen to your program. Thank you. Yep, appreciate the call, Rachel. Thank you very much for uh, taking time to do that as we hit... 9.30, she was talking about the, the font, the uh, typing on the uh, scoreboard, the big scoreboards in uh, the State Farm Center. I did notice that. I meant to ask Kent Brown about it last night, and then the game got in the way, and I kind of forgot about bringing that up. But uh, we'll see if we can find out something about that. 
at uh, 930. We're going to get Bruce Douglas on the phone here coming up shortly. But if you've been uh, thinking at all about replacing the doors or windows in your home, you're probably aware that the most important doors are the entry door and the patio door. Well, a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign can help clear up what could be an overwhelming situation. Mike Mary and uh, the team at Illini Pella have been fixtures in this community for going on 50 years now. And as you may know, there are many choices in windows and doors. The Pella Window Store has eight patio doors on display in the showroom at all times. They'll not only help you decide what's best for you, they'll stand by their products with a limited lifetime warranty. Illini Pella offers one-stop shopping. You'll find the products. You can talk about the installation and financing, too, if you'd like. Window and door shopping is not something you do for your home every day, so you want to make sure you get it right. Do your research, set your budget, then work with the pros at the Pella Window Store so you can show off your new project to your family and friends. The Pella Window Store, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, open Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, and a Saturday by appointment, if you'd like to get in there on a Saturday, call ahead and make an appointment. They'd be happy to see you. They also have stores in Danville, Decatur, and Bloomington, or you can check them out online at PellaofChampagne.com. 932 WDWS Champaign-Urbana, more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS is coming up after this. With the coach, 7 to 8, right here on DWS Monday night. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock, talking a lot of basketball this morning. Got one game in the Big Ten last night saw number nine, Maryland, come into Champaign and win 75-66 over number 20, Illinois. There are four more games today and two tomorrow on the Big Ten schedule. Phone line is open. If you'd like to jump in and join us, feel free to do so, 356-9397. Happy to bring into the program now former Illini standout guard back in the uh, mid '80s, Bruce Douglas, old number twenty-five, is with us. Good morning, Bruce. Good to see you at the ball game last night. Hey, good morning, Steve. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was good to be there. I tell you, it was a, it was a good game. Uh, one we, uh, uh, you know, wish we could have got, but uh, uh, one we will learn from, I'm sure. Let's talk about the, the way that game went with Illinois coming out firing and jumping ahead 31-17 there at about the 10-minute mark. Things were looking good and uh, uh, things were working. And then, as coaches do sometimes, they make adjustments, as Mark Turgeon did, and threw that zone out there, and that really changed the game, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It, it kind of slowed our momentum down. Um, it looked offensively, you know, we just didn't get the looks that we wanted, and uh, we started getting shots later in the uh, shot clock. And so... Um, uh, we didn't get the ball inside, uh, uh, you know, as much as we probably would have liked. So it was a, you know, it was a good move on uh, Maryland's part and one we, um, you know, didn't do as well as we'd like to. Well, Bruce, it seems to, this is Lauren. It seems to me that we need to get the ball inside. And I wonder, uh, should, we use, should we be trying to do some stuff off the high post, maybe at the free throw line, uh, passes there just to get the defense, uh, you know, to force them to look to, to move back in. I mean, I, I, we're not getting the ball into Kofi near as much as we should, and I thought their double teaming on Kofi worked very effectively for Maryland, also. Yeah, no, no question about it. I mean, our, our strength is surely getting the ball inside. Uh, Kofi needs to get a, a lot more touches. Uh, I'd like to see Georgia get it more in there as well. But uh, Maryland, you know, you have to give it to them. They did a good job making Kofi 
uh, have to give the ball up right away. Uh, a few times we made some good cuts and we got some easy baskets, but that's a tough pass to make because the the the, the spreading didn't look as well um, uh, for us neither. So it was a, a the pass uh, that short of a pass for a big man is a lot tougher. And we already know when the ball goes in and comes back out, uh, the shots are a lot lot more uh, um, a lot higher percentage to hit. And you get a lot more comfortable with them. So, yeah, we definitely um, have to look to get it inside if, if we're going to win some of these uh, tough games down the stretch. Fans are really upset with the idea of holding, uh, holding Frazier out for 13-plus uh, minutes in the first half with two fouls. What's your thinking on playing guys with two fouls in the first half? Well, I think it, it, it's systematic uh, in context of how the game's going. I, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in trying to keep your best players out there as much as possible. And surely I think uh, someone like Trent needs to be on the floor trying to beat a, 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 a team like Maryland with one of your, uh, with your team leader uh, on the, one of your leaders uh, out of the game the first 13 minutes uh, in the half is very difficult to do. But I understand Coach Underwood um, is making decisions based on his philosophy, his strategy, and uh, and I think that's worked for him in the past, and I'm sure he's going to continue to stick with that philosophy. But I think a lot of us that have played um, see the importance of ha- of having you know of having your important people on the floor, especially in big games and big moments. Uh, but I think last night the early the, the big the good start early on probably led to to Coach Underwood being more comfortable with that decision. Well, you know, he's been uh, willing to make changes in the past. I think that they're, the foul difficulties that they had last year with overguarding and the system that they used defensively last year, he completely changed. And I, he also did the same thing at Oklahoma State before he came here. He had a big adjustment late in the season, and they went on a run and got in the tournament. And, of course, they lost that game to Michigan by a point or two. But uh, I, I, just, this, I think this needs a, a reevaluation because the problem – Bruce says, I, one of the problems is that when, when a guy's been on the bench that long, they don't always come back strong either. I mean, it just seems like it gets them out of the rhythm. Did you find that to be the case when you played? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, <clears throat> no question, uh, especially someone like a point guard or someone that handles the ball a lot. Um, momentum and being in the flow is a is very important part of the game. And so, uh, you know, being out there on the floor, being able to make decisions, being able to uh, evaluate how things are going um, has a lot to do with being on the floor. And so I think last night, I, no question, I think Trent lost some momentum. He hit a three early on and, and then um, really never seemed to get back in the flow. Um, and, and that can happen. It's one of the risks that you take uh, when you sit someone down for a long period of time. But, you know, in the midst of a game, uh, we make decisions. Uh, uh, for me, I prefer to see uh, my best players on the floor. Um, players like Trent and, and A.O., um, Felix, they, they, they learn how to play through those periods and through those times. And, uh, and that's what makes them, you know, your elite players. And so, no question, uh, we definitely need to, to think about keeping them on the floor as much as possible. Visiting uh and talking basketball with former Illini Bruce Douglas, former Illini basketball player. He's You're never a former Illini. You're always an Illini, but he's a former Illini hoopster. Did you play, if you were in that situation back in the day, we had two fouls and you you stayed in the ball game. do you consciously play any differently? Uh, you know, what you what you do, I think, Steve, is consciously you change some of the things that you 
that you might do that's a little more aggressive. I, you know, and I was uh, someone who, who loved to play defense, and, and surely I would get a couple fouls on occasion early. And normally what that meant was that, um, you know, you used your hands a little less in terms of, of trying to um, uh, bother the, the, the offensive player, but you moved your feet more and you stayed more positional. Um, took a lot less uh, risk with trying to, to steal the ball. I think early on, you know, Trent's first couple fouls were, were surely fouls that he could have made some adjustments on. Uh, you know, just moving his feet, trying to, you know, take a charge when you really could, you know, move out of the way. Um, some of those kind of things change. Uh, but, but, you know, for the most part, you stay defensively sound and, and you're able to guard people uh, and surely uh, stop them from scoring. You've stayed uh, connected with the Illinois program uh, over the years. Your thoughts, uh, let's look a little bigger picture now, your thoughts of what this team is doing uh, so far this year. There's still eight games left in the regular season. And your thoughts on the um, projection of the program uh, under Brad Underwood in year three. Well, let me say that, first of all, there's been a lot of progress this year. I think Kofi, uh, is a tremendous athlete uh, who's learning the game, who's going to get a whole lot better. I think A.O.'s decision-making this year and his patience uh, on trying to find his shot has improved. And then I think Trent offensively, uh, along with Felix, uh, um, uh, the, the way that their flow, the flow of the game and their strategy, and then, of course, overall defensively, uh, I think they've gotten, uh, you know, with the kind of the strategical change, they're fouling a lot less and playing a lot better defense. So from this year's perspective, I think they've progressed a lot. Uh, but again, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, we got eight games left and coming down the stretch is going to be a very important part of seeing exactly how much we have grown uh, in, in being able to win some of these games uh, now that, you know, the, the first place is at stake and we're in the race. Uh, and so though that, that still is, um, you know, some evaluation will have to be done, but I think there's been a lot of progress uh, this season. Uh, surely they're a lot, they're a lot of fun to watch and I think they're playing with a lot more confidence. So that's very important. Uh, in year three, um, you know, I think in the, in, in the, the big scheme of things, uh, it's always about being able to get players and then being able to, to develop those players so that they become, uh, people of impact uh, on the floor, so that um, they surely will will affect your recruiting in the future. And I and I think we're moving in the right direction in in, in all of those phases. I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you really want to to win the games that you should win, and um, and and win a few games you shouldn't. I think the the real challenge as the the program grows is being able to make sure that we're not losing games we should win. Um, and so uh, when we're in a game where it's winnable, we're right there, and I think the, the real growth is in programs that are able to win those games. And, and so the verdict is still out of, on us in that, in that realm. But overall, I think, you know, when you look at where we started at in year one and where we're at right now, I think you have to be excited about uh, the way we're going um, and uh, if we can finish this year strong, then I, I think uh, we, we got nothing but thumbs up. Bruce, uh, what's your take on uh, on the transfer business? Uh, the, the the idea of maybe in a year, another year or so, uh, players able to transfer without having to sit out. You played four years, and you would be 
unusual in today's game. You you and Cowan would be unusual. Here you got Smith on that same team, and he they all know he's going pro this year. Uh, Jalen Smith, what's your take on the way the uh, pro college game has developed? Well, no question, it's, it's impacting the game because I think they're moving more toward being able to allow people to be in places they want to be and to play, uh, you know, in, in, in whenever it's convenient or wherever it's convenient. Uh, I think it's, you know, I, it's so the game has changed some from when I've played in the context. I think it, it's a more uh, entertaining game. I think the, that the three-pointer has spread it out, and I think it's given players um, that in, in the older days would have had to prove themselves more over time and develop more uh, before they would take them at the next level, an opportunity to go sooner. And so with that, I think the transferring creates opportunities for players that might not be able to shoot as many threes uh, over at this, over with this team to transfer to a team who's looking for someone who just can shoot threes. So I think um, it, it, it gives the players a, a, an opportunity to showcase their strength. <clears throat> but at the same time, I think the overall impact of players developing um, colleges trying to uh, – have some security and some uh, and some authority over uh, how players are willing to play and um, and being able to uh, to to work within the rules and the frameworks of, of institutions is surely something that uh, that's going to be a thing of the past. So, Bruce Douglas, what's keeping you busy these days? Well, I got four grandkids, and that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, one of the most exciting seasons of life uh but that keeps you busy you know in this new generation uh of grandkids uh in my day steve you would your your mother the grandparent would watch the kids for three or maybe two or three hours while you went to shop or you pick something up today the kids drop them off on friday and say they'll see you on sunday <laughs> so, uh, that, that changes the whole scheme of what you plan to do on the weekends but no it's exciting time so i'm spending time with that and of course in the ministry uh, continuing to uh, the pastor and and uh, having an opportunity to um, to work with people and uh, to do the work of the kingdom and uh, of course my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and so that's always uh, uh, the most exciting thing for me and uh, my wife is doing well uh, you know we're getting ready to celebrate 33 years of marriage and uh, my kids are are all healthy and uh, you know and in good places and so I I'm just thankful uh, my mom's 86 and doing well and so. You know, I got a, 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 a you know just a, a great support system in my brothers and sisters and and my friends, and so uh, it, those things are all going well, Steve. I tell you, and things are even better when Illinois is winning because uh, I love uh, the, the orange and blue. Uh, I love uh, Illinois basketball and uh, just want to see them be successful. Of course, I'm always uh, praying for my my mentor and my coach Lou Henson. Uh, you know, who I love dearly as well, and Mary and. And so, uh, you know, when you when you have those kind of things going, and you've had those experiences, not much you can you can uh, complain about or or be disappointed about. So things are going well for me. Well, Bruce, bring Ephraim Winters down with you the next time you come. Hey, I talked to Ephraim, and I'm surely we are going to try to get down to a game before this season's up. So good, you know, good. we were looking at yeah, maybe that hour game. So. Yeah, no, Ephraim's doing well, but we did. We talked just about a week and a half ago, and I was trying to get him to come down to this one, but he had some. He just had a grandson, and so uh, uh, so he, he was a little tied up. But yeah, that would be great. I'm going to try to get him down for sure, Lord. All right, 
Hey, Bruce, we appreciate your time. It was great seeing you and your wife last night, and um, hope to see you again soon. Okay, thanks, Steve and Lauren. Y'all uh, take care and, and bless you, man. Thank you. You too. That's Bruce Douglas with us here on Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk at 949. We'll take a break. The phone line is still open, 356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we're back with more coming up in just a moment here on DWS. Join us Tuesday night, another Big Ten game for the Fighting Illini against Michigan State. The tip-off at 8, Illini game day from the State Farm Center at 6.30 Tuesday night. Welcome back to the show, everybody, at uh, 9.51 with you until 11 o'clock. Again, the phone line is open. Most of the conversation, as we anticipated, will be on the uh, basketball game last night. Illini fans certainly were hoping to be uh, talking about a win instead of a Difficult loss, but uh, that's why they play the games. But Steve, you got to win your home games. That's yep, the problem. And and in, in the league now, they got the top eleven teams, top eleven teams. I'm not including Michigan, not including Northwestern, not including Nebraska. The top eleven teams in a fourteen team league are fifty three and nine, fifty three and nine at home, and three of those nine belong to Maryland. They've won three in a row. They've won Northwestern, Indiana, and now Illinois, which puts them, that's why they're on top. And it's interesting to, to show you just how much this, this is imbalanced. The same 11 teams that are 53-9 and nine at home are 21-43 and 43 on the road. Those same teams. That's how much the home court means, and that's why you have to win on the home court if you're going to win the league. Yeah, we're not going to find out how good the league is, whether it's it's mediocre and everybody's about the same or it's good and everybody's about the same. We're not going to know until the tournament starts, even if 10 or 12 teams get in from the Big Ten. It's a whole different ballgame there. You're going to be able to play that physical style in the NCAA tournament. That's always a factor. So I like the, the parity and the balance. I just don't know if it's well, it's just somewhere top in between, loaded, Steve. or it's, 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 I guess it's, it's middle loaded. There's no great team, but there's no yeah. You know, uh, the, the, at least eleven deep, and I, I'd almost include Michigan. I, I'll let you know more about Michigan after today. Yeah, because they're hosting Michigan State, and I'll throw them up among the top twelve if if you know if if they win. If they lose, then they're they're falling further. But that'd be a home loss for Michigan, mm-hmm. and you can't afford that in this league. Let's go back to the phones, Al in Champaign. What do you say, Al? Yeah, I was following up on uh, Lauren's conversation about taking uh, Trent out last night. Well, the same thing happened against Iowa. He took out Io in the first half when Io got two fouls, and that guy's not going to foul out. These guys are smart, you know, backcourt players. They're not in the thick of it with big elbows and six foot eleven. They're not getting banged all the time. These players can have demonstrated, I think, that they can play without getting in foul trouble. So yeah, I, I agree. Though I think that's a real problem, but. Well, you know, here, here's my question. Here's my question for you: Would you rather play a guy thirty-three minutes and have him foul out, or would you rather play him twenty-five minutes and have him around for the end of the game? Yeah, and go to and and have the game end with him having four or maybe three fouls on him. But that's right. I, I mean, you but know, you I also agree. run and the risk if you back. if you throw him in against Garza at Iowa. And I'm, I'm just taking the coach's position. Uh, you, you worry that guards are getting him in foul trouble, and then the next thing you know, you don't have him. But you don't have him anyway if you put him on the bench, right? Yeah. I mean, he's well, not on the court. Yeah, and again, your your point's well taken with Kofi, but a perimeter player like Io, when he came back in against Iowa in the second half, he was like, he was not clicked in. 
Well, I, I, but I think yeah, you, you, I think there's the a risk. Here. There's a risk in losing every game. Yeah, there's a risk. There are risks out there, and one of the right. risks is you've got to take the risk of playing a guy with two or three fouls or four fouls. You got to play him. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah. that, it, here's what I here's why I think that way. I hope that the opposing coach takes his players out in the first half with two fouls. I hope he does. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, hey, thanks for your help. Yep, appreciate the call. Thanks for taking time to do that. Let's go back to the phones. Bob in Urbana. Hey, Bob. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I think last night was uh, unusual in several ways, but the first being, as you're saying, with, with Trent Frazier going out, he had no shots in the second half. He had two free throws, but no shots. Uh, and we had, for example, 31 points in the first 10 minutes of the game, we had 66 points in the last 30 minutes of the game. Uh, in, this, in the second half, from the 20-minute mark till the 12-minute mark, eight minutes of playing time, we had two free throws and one basket. And there were things going on. I said, well, why, why aren't people getting more shots than that? And then I, I went down the listing uh, in the whole game, Griffin had three shots. Frazier had three shots. Williams had two. He made the three, two three-pointers. Nichols had five. Jones had zero. Georgie had four shots. Coburn had four shots, and the rest were free throws. The rest of the shots were by two players. Do you think there's a point where the other team says, we'll let the two players shoot and we'll guard everybody else because we know they're not going to be a factor and we still are going to win the game. And I think there's some things going on there that we, we didn't have balanced scoring in any way, shape, or form through the game. First half, first 10 minutes, yes. Last 30 minutes of the game, it's just zeros, ones, and, and two-pointers and three-pointers. We had two three-pointers in the second half, Griffin, and then he took Griffin out when he was on a roll. He hit the two three-pointers, and then he, he doesn't get a chance to shoot the ball again. And I'm going... What's what's going on here? What's the rotations doing? So, those are my points. And, and watching the and then the turnovers, we had more turnovers, just uh, sloppiness that shouldn't happen. If you keep your turnovers under double digits, you have a chance to win the game. And last night we were just just not not focusing or or in a, doing what we're supposed to be doing. So those were my thoughts from uh, last night. Well, uh, let me just add uh, into this. Uh, Illinois took five more shots than did uh, Maryland. Illinois shot nine more free throws than did Maryland. Illinois had six more rebounds and, and nine more offensive rebounds than Maryland. And, um, of course, they missed ten free throws. I'll throw that in. But my point is that statistically, Illinois did all the right things to win. It didn't make, didn't make baskets. I mean, they just didn't make baskets, yeah. I mean, if you get five more shots than your opponent, you should get more baskets. If you get nine more free throws than your opponent, you should have more free throw points. Well, Illinois did, 14 to 13, but they, uh, Maryland made 13 out of 15. Illinois made 14 out of 24. Those missed free throws were murder. Yes. And we would have done that 10 points right there. If you shoot 80% on your free throws rather than missing uh, 10, if you can get seven of those back, you're within a within one bucket of being in the game because we lost by nine. So uh, yeah, we really didn't lose by nine. I mean that was the final score, but you know Illinois was in, back to within a point. I mean there there was a point in that game late where you know that 
Illinois had a great chance to, to, to come back and, and pull it out, but uh, that's when uh, I thought uh, Iowa made, I mean, uh, Maryland, I thought they made some huge threes late. Yeah, they and they were making those huge threes throughout the game. In that first half when they came, we were up 31-17. to 17. We were up 14 points at that point, and then by the time, by the end of the half, we were at 42 to 40, and I go, if they came back, if the other team, if Maryland came back from that kind of deficit, then they're on a roll, and they figured out something, and that was partly due to the zone defense, but that kept us from scoring, but it allowed them to score because they got in a roll, and then they hit so many big, big three-pointers that we were within one one uh, a basket of maybe being tied or, or you know close to them, and then they would hit a huge three-pointer. So uh, like 56 to 59, uh, in the seven-minute mark, they hit a big two or big three to go up 62 to 56. Uh, and, and then coming down, we, we would be within four points, we'd be within five points, but we could never get to that single digit where a basket for us would either tie it or help us go to head. So interesting game, but... The statistics were such that the second half, it, there was just nothing there, no flow offensively for us to be able to say we're going to stay with this team. And I thought that was where we lost it. Yeah. Good stuff, Bob. Appreciate the call. Thank, Thank you. you. Yep. Bye-bye. First hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books at 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Plenty of more basketball talk ahead. The phone line will stay open if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. We're back with more, hour number two, here on DWS after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. With you until 11 o'clock this morning here on DWS. 356-9397 is the phone number. Talking mainly about uh, last night's Big Ten game here in Champaign-Urbana, where number 9 Maryland beat number 20 Illinois 75-66. Four more Big Ten games on the schedule today, two tomorrow. Let's go out to uh, Pennsylvania now, where number 22 Penn State takes on Minnesota this afternoon at 3 o'clock, we'll talk about uh, that game a little bit uh, and uh, Penn State basketball with David Jones from PennLive.com. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? How you doing, man? We're doing well. Let's talk about uh, the uh, Nittany Lions a little bit and what you think of uh, the way they've played so far and their chances coming down the stretch. They're just a game back in this Big Ten race. Well, I sure as hell didn't expect Maryland to uh, win last night in uh, the Mushroom, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> Especially after, you know, 30 minutes, it was looking, well, 20 minutes, it was looking like uh, kind of you expected it. I thought Illinois would be the tougher team. Uh, I picked Maryland to win this, this race. I think I was the only media member to do so on the Big Ten poll. But the funny part is about halfway through the season, I didn't think there was any way it was going to happen. And I don't, I don't even like, I didn't even like them much uh, going into that game. <laughs> I'm really kind of astounded. So, yeah, everything's topsy-turvy, and it uh, kind of has to be when Penn State and Rutgers are in the race, right? 
how good is Penn State? What do you think? Um, the way I look at this race is everyone, everyone's history really can't be considered in the next game. Every game's a new game. It's kind of like the NFL. They've been very good when their best players play well. Uh, when Mike Watkins, their big man, plays well, they're tough to beat. But it's not necessarily an indicator. I think when they move the ball and move their feet on offense, then they're really hard to beat because they've got nine guys. What they've never had before, and I think Lauren could tell you, is they've never had nine guys you could put out there, who none of whom hurt you on defense or offense. They've got a bunch of guys who are capable of scoring. Um, when Fran McCaffrey was in here at the Palestra for that game, which was 89-86, what he said is that they've got eight guys who at any one time can put up 20 points on you. And that's pretty much been true. Uh, the, the big pleasant surprise has been Myron Jones, the uh, off guard from Alabama. Uh, he was terrific at Michigan State, uh, hit six of eight three-pointers. They're not an outstanding three-point shooting team. They're not bad. But they're they're a lot better like everyone else when they make shots from the outside. And everyone knows about Lamar Stevens, who's their uh, all Big Ten first team forward and a constant. But they're better when they move their feet on offense. I think that's what you got to look for. They they did some ISO ball down the stretch at Breslin, and they had a, a one matchup that they liked. Hall trying to guard Stevens. Hall's just a freshman. It was a good matchup for him. But in general, I think they're much better when they, they keep moving, uh, sometimes just run motion. Uh, they've got the athletes and the depth where they, where they can wear people down. Well, give us your evaluation of Illinois. I, I'm sure you were aware of, of everything that happened last night, and I just uh, wonder how you, where do you think Illinois fits in this whole thing? I was watching the debates, Lauren. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I don't know. I watched the first half and then switched over because my wife wanted to watch the debates. Um, I, I, I loved Illinois until whatever happened in that second half. Uh, well, they couldn't make it. They, they started one off. for 17, uh, David, and that, that, that pretty well settled it. One for 17 from yeah, the field. Well, well, I suppose Jalen Smith had something to do with that. He's, he's been one of the very best players in the league in the last month. I mean, you could make an argument that he's been as good as, as Garza at Iowa. Um, I, I really thought the the combination of Shanazvili and and uh, Desumu and um, Coburn was just about as good a, a, a trio as anything in the league. I mean, Desumu was recruited as Chicago for a reason. I mean, they they knew how good he was, and he had an okay freshman season. But he's been such a huge shot maker for them this year and fearless. And, and Frazier on the wing got hot for a little while. He's been kind of hot and cold as a three-point shooter. But, you know, they're, they're a little young. As uh, an old football coach used to say every stinking year, we're so young, we're just so young. And sometimes that comes and get you, gets you when your best players are all underclassmen and that's pretty much true of Illinois. I think we're seeing here a separation of the teams where their their best players are older. Penn State has an old lineup that's been around and, and really so does Maryland kind of. Well you know uh, David what you're, 
what you're saying is the key to, to uh, winning is, is to have players that aren't quite good enough for the NBA, but are good, you know, good enough like Stevens to stick around for four years. That's right. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're – and I, I don't know what – what do you think about that as we go ahead? I mean, it's going to get worse with the transfer rules coming in. I mean, and 700 guys transferring every year. You mentioned a player, Myron Jones from Alabama. I mean, you look up and all of a sudden you see guys is moving around so much. What, what does this mean for basketball in the long run? Well, Myron wasn't a transfer. Oh, okay. Curtis. Oh, I'm was, sorry. Yeah, I... Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones was the transfer. Um, okay. Myron was a, a, a freshman recruit. But your point's, you know, taken. They, the, the, I think that's a, that's on the coach to create continuity. I mean, say whatever you want about John Calipari. He's he's done an amazing job of every year, pretty much starting with a blank canvas. He almost never has guys who have been around, and they're always pretty competitive. Uh, it's a different thing to do it with guys who are three-star recruits. Uh, Penn State has done it mainly with the template you're talking about. I think they're, they're, without question, the oldest team among the contenders in the race right now. Uh, they're also the deepest, though, and I think those two factors mean a lot. When you have mature bodies and when you have a lot of bodies down the stretch, in a race like this, that means a lot. Penn State can win the damn league. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but you look around, they just beat the alpha dog in their own place. I, I thought they belonged in that game, and I never would have believed that two or three years ago, but they belonged in that game with Michigan State. They looked like equals, and that was in, in East Lansing. So I just, they've already beaten Maryland. They're not going to play in Maryland again, so they, they own the tiebreaker there. They, they just have to play the way they're capable of playing, and they're, they're, they are capable of winning this race, which is remarkable. How close did they come to changing coaches last year, the year before, the year before? I mean, how close has that been? By the time it was the, they were 7-13 and 13 in the league, not close. Uh, when they were 0-10, sure, it was close. <laughs> you can't go. You know, if they'd gone two and eighteen in the league, that would have been a whole different thing. But Sandy Barber's been very patient. This is Pat Chambers' ninth year, partly because they really don't care much about basketball as a revenue generator up there. They do so well with football, and people don't really grasp basketball like they do in in the middle of Illinois or a lot of other Midwestern locales around the country or in Philadelphia. You know, half their rosters from Philadelphia. People in Philadelphia, while it's still an NFL town where I live here, they they value college basketball a little more. So they didn't really see it as a profit opportunity, and they've never paid what really needed to be paid for uh, what you would consider a top-flight coach. Pat came out of Boston uh, from the America East with one league title under his belt and pretty much just his resume with Jay Wright at Villanova, and that was it. I mean, if, if, if you're another – plus, Ed DeCellis left in May <laughs> for a low major after getting to the NCAA tournament. That's, that's all you need to know about the importance of basketball at Penn State. It's never been considered a priority, and that, that, there's your problem. So actually considering what basketball has always been up there, um, there was there was a lot less 
pressure on Pat Chambers than there would have been on, on another guy someplace else. Talking uh, basketball with uh, David Jones from PennLive.com. The Big Ten, they're going to get 10 teams at one point, maybe 12 teams in the NCAA tournament. That's yet to be determined. But your thoughts on the Big Ten as far as the toughest conference in the league or not? Is it just is it a, a group of uh, similarly talented teams that um, may be middle-of-the-pack kind of teams nationwide? Or what, what are your thoughts on how the, the Big Ten might do in postseason? Yeah, in the tournament, I'd take the Big 12. Uh, I think the Big 12 is stronger at the top. Uh, but in the middle of the pack, I mean, they're going to have a lot of four and five and seven and eight seeds, man. They're going to have a ton. And they've got competitive teams who are used to playing against other competitive teams all year. The ACC is way down. I mean, way down. I've never seen it this bad. And who else is there? I mean, the Pac-12 is what it always is. The SEC is a little bit down. There really isn't much going on right now in college basketball outside of the Big Ten, the Big East, and the, the Big 12. Um, so you got a lot of you – know, I think a couple – one of the other things is Michigan State really doesn't have a classic butt-kicking kind of team with a big – nasty crazy power forward bouncing around and and yanking away rebounds from people they don't have that guy xavier tillman is not that guy and they've always had a dream on green kind of character who just played with his hair on fire they don't have that they've got one great lead guard aaron henry hasn't been as good as he's uh, he had supposed to be and michigan state is is the the perennial alpha dog in the league just isn't what they usually are. That's why I didn't pick them to win the race. I mean, everyone, I, I didn't understand how they were ranked number one preseason. I didn't get it. Even with their injury loss, and, and he was a big loss, They, I didn't see them being up there. Uh, they've, they've got guys who should be able to shoot. Um, they, haven't, they didn't really shoot all that well in the Penn State game. So I think they're a team with holes and issues. They make turnovers. They really kick the ball around a lot, and they've done it all year. They made 15 turnovers against Penn State, about five of them totally unforced. Uh, that doesn't happen with the classic Tom Izzo team. So you really don't have anybody at the top that you can trust. Uh, I, don't, I still don't trust Maryland to make a long run in the league. Uh, I think Illinois is too young. They just got up to the top. Uh, what else is there? Iowa looks like they might be wearing down. I don't see how a team that you trust to make a long run in the NCAs gives up 104 points to Purdue. That's <laughs> <laughs> that zone didn't work that night. The zone that worked against it Illinois didn't not. work that night. But hey, David, I got one for you. Simpson, there. Michigan's playing Michigan State today. Simpson uh, found to be driving the athletic director's wife's car who she had apparently given to her son, and he's driving at 3 o'clock in the morning on the same night that Illinois beat Michigan on a light, late jumper by Io over Simpson's head. What's your take on, is anything further going to happen to Michigan relative to this incident? You're asking me? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> Why? I don't, I don't know. know. You know more than anybody. To me, it's, to me it sounds like the, the same kind of stuff that happened when uh, – when Fish was there and Juwan Howard was a player, I mean, I, I, um, I think they're going to rue the day that they just let John Beeline 
walk. And you could say John Beeline wanted to do something else in life, but I think if you really put a full-court press on him, he would have hung around. John Beeline is one of the very best coaches in the history of the Big Ten. Maybe you couldn't keep him. Maybe he had ambition to try one more thing. Fine. But at least the people who looked at getting Jawan Howard over John Beeline as some sort of victory, some sort of upgrade, and they were all over the place. Uh, I just laughed. I mean, what are you what are you talking about? You took a pro. You, you got a guy who took a program that was in constant disarray for over a decade, and this guy came in, and you get a couple of national championship games. Are you kidding? And and a couple of Big Ten titles, and you're you're disparaging this guy. I just don't understand it. Um, he, he to me, he was the best coach Michigan's ever had. Uh, including Steve Fisher, uh, and they're 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 going to look back on that era as a golden age because it ain't as easy as it looks. Just recruiting and cherry picking and thinking that's the whole job. It's not the whole job. It's not. Jawan Howard, I'm sure he's a nice guy, coached a lot in the NBA, but it's one thing being an assistant in the NBA. It's another another thing being a manager of this organization with 19 to 23 year olds running around doing god knows what you've got to have your finger on it man you got to have your finger on it if you don't things like this are going to happen well do you think that the, the simpson thing is over i mean you think it's uh, it's done i mean is the athletic director okay in all this are you talking about the ncaa no, well, I'm yeah, I'm I'm talking about the athletic director's car being driven at three o'clock in the morning by yeah, one of the I mean, players. Who's going to do something? Who's going to do something about it? The university? Well, maybe. Yeah, not. they're not going to do anything about it. I think it's over. Okay. The NCAA doesn't do anything about anything anymore because they're worried about even being relevant. Uh, they gave up autonomy to the the Power Five, Power Six basketball schools five years ago, and. They their enforcement is negligent. I mean, if Ellis, if if Will Wade can be walking around and Sean Miller, what's this? This is nothing. Well, David Jones, we appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for taking uh, some time to spend with us this morning, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. All right, boys. Thank you, David. David Jones okay. with us from Pennsylvania. PennLive.com is where he works out there. He's been covering Penn State for quite a bit of time. Let's get a couple of callers on here. Bob in Muhammad's been hanging on. Hey, Bob, you're on the air. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I have a couple of points that would probably uh, buttress what uh, David just said, Uh, and I'll be a little philosophical, I guess, here, but we often forget these are 18 to 22-year-olds, basically, uh, and uh, if we think back when we were 18 to 22, uh, you know, we didn't always have everything uh, on a stick all the time. The other thing is uh, in competitive athletics, and I'm sure you guys know this too, you can want something too much, uh, uh, and that that sometimes uh, can seal your fate. And the other thing is that with Underwood, uh, basically you just have to look at is, progress is going to be two steps forward and one step back. And I think we're definitely uh, on a positive track here. Uh, and and just let, let him keep on keeping on, and uh, I think that uh, Illinois will be fine. And I had one quick question for both of you. Uh, 
where are we with Illinois football? I, I, I know the recruiting doesn't seem to be very good. And uh, I, I, I love I love Lovey, but I don't know if he's the guy that can get this done. So I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Thanks a lot. Yep, appreciate the call. Thanks, Bob. Well, Steve, I think 25 seniors tells you that they ought to be pretty good this coming year. I mean, they, let's put it this way. They ought to be better than last year. That doesn't mean they're going to be better than Wisconsin. Or they play Ohio State this coming year. They should win their first four games. Uh, I mean, Connecticut's not very good. They're, they've had a bunch of guys go in the – portal and the transfer portal and and uh, the fourth game is against Rutgers so they should start 4-0 that's momentum if they do it and you, if you can't beat Illinois State you, you, you don't deserve anything so Illinois State and, and Bowling Green and, and UConn are all beatable and so is Rutgers and therefore Illinois if they start 4-0 they should get to a six or seven win season I would think uh, and I, but I'm not saying that they're better than they're going to be better than Nebraska. I'm not saying they're going to be better than Iowa or Wisconsin in the league. Uh, and then you know how much trouble they have with Northwestern in the final game. So I don't know how it's going to turn out. But I just think that uh, the team is going to be the best team that we're going to have here in a period of six, eight years. I mean, going back several years and going forward several years. It doesn't look very good. In, uh, it doesn't look very promising beyond 2000. 20 and uh, certainly hadn't been very promising in the years past. Speaking of that uh, transfer portal, most of the guys that go into that don't end up staying where they are. They're, they put their name in for a reason they're not very happy, but Virginia Tech How about this, did huh? uh, issue, uh, or came out and say, okay, we had a new rule. You put your name in, you're gone. And how many there are in there? They've twelve. Twelve guys. In yeah. other words, they've already lost twelve guys yeah. that can't come back. Yeah. And and I, we don't know uh, enough about Ken, Ken, Virginia Tech. Uh, I assume that you don't, and I don't, to know what the value of those players. Right. I mean, they right. may they may be the worst players on the team, and they probably are. Yeah. But uh, it's very difficult. It's very tricky to go through this enormous portal of all these players and figure out who are the ones that can help you. Right now, Illinois needs help in the defensive line. They could use another linebacker, sure. Uh, I'm not sure who the fifth line, offensive lineman is going to be. And there's a couple of really good running backs, apparently pretty good running backs, already in the portal. And Illinois could use one more running back, I assume. But basically, the team returns most of their regulars, except in the defensive line. Let's go back to the phones. Eric's been hanging on out in Maryland. Hey, good morning, Eric. Morning, guys. How you doing? Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. I've been listening to the show. I think the, the big takeaway, and I agree with Lauren, is the, the game management of, of the players with two fouls. Uh, as soon as Frazier came out, you know, he's their floor general. He's the guy that kind of pumps people up. And he, you know, why can't you take him out, you know, sit him down for 60 seconds, explain to him, no more fouls. I need you in there. Put him back in. Take him out with two and a half minutes to go in the first half sit him out with two minutes into the second half, and, and he ended up with three fouls anyway. I just, I mean, I, I totally agree with the callers and you guys. There's got to be better adjustments and in-game management of players that pick up two fouls. I mean, they're, they're not a deep team, and they're not a good shooting team. And Trent Frazier is by far their best three-point shooter. So if they pack it in on his own, and he's not in, and he's not into the fluid part of the game, I mean, you saw what happened. They got off to a disastrous start in the second half. That's a really good point. He is their best three-point shooter by far. I mean, he only went one for four last night, I believe. But uh, once they went to the zone, he's the guy you need in there. 
just in case he I mean, can get. Lauren, Go ahead. Who who are their assistant coaches? I mean, Underwood is so intense on the sidelines. You can't expect him to remember everything. I mean, well, he they have guys nudging. That's I mean, his I policy, though. On the sidelines. That's his. Well, you know what? Then maybe he needs to adjust that and change that. He needs some people telling him, "Hey, Trent's been out for ten minutes. Let's get him in there." Or you know. Let's go offense, defense. Take him out on the defensive end for 90 seconds and put him back in on a ball change or a timeout on offense. I mean, there's the game management and the adjustments. I love Underwood. Underwood's the man. I love his recruiting. I love his tenaciousness. But he's got to get better, manages, manages his assistant coaches, and being the coach of that team. Turgeon outcoached him the second half, bottom line. No doubt about it. Well, Lauren and I sit right behind the Illinois bench or right adjacent to us. He, he has all kinds of people <laughs> telling him stuff now, you know, how much of that he goes with or whatever. But there's a, a lot of activity back there with not only the, the the regular assistant coaches, they've got some statistical guys back there too as well. And uh, there's a lot of information being passed along. It's still up to Brad, though, uh, how he uses that. Well, I think that I mean, he's had success in the past in his mind by holding people out and because right. he's he thinks that he gets more energy out of a guy if he sets him out in the first half and that's his theory well he's certainly not the only coach in the country that does no it. I, mean, I know more it. do I mean, that that way than don't i think majority oh hey, overwhelming majority of, of coaches do exactly what he's doing and i don't like it and never have liked it and i'm way off on the other side of this thing i i keep going back to I, I just keep going back to those coaches that I know left their players in, and I just I sit there on that sideline, and every time I see the other team, other coach take out his best players, I think now's our chance. You know, I, I feel that way, and if I feel that way, naturally I'd have to coach that way. I, I vaguely remember Lou Henson, but I could swear that there were a lot of times he left guys in with two fouls, and they even got their third foul uh, in the first half, and then that's when he – slammed the door on him and said, okay, you're out still in the second half. But I vaguely I, – I remember Henson doing that quite a bit, and especially your best shooting three. I mean, as soon as he came out, they packed it in. They, you know, they just didn't have any offensive weapons when the ball went in and it came back out. I mean, Felice is a, is a slasher and a driver. I love that kid. And, and Io creates quite a bit, but, man, he makes a lot of turnovers and a lot of bad passes. Frazier's your floor general. You got to have him out there 35 minutes a game, or you're going to lose the game. Good stuff, Eric. Thanks for the call. Yep. Thank you. Another 30 minutes or so here, about uh, 33 minutes with the phone line open. 3569397 is the phone number. Brad Underwood talked about that two foul situation after the ball game. We've got some comments from him on that before we get done. Right now, we'll take a break, though, and be back with more Fighting Illini. Not fighting Illini, but Illini Pella. <laughs> so we could call it fighting Illini so Pella, can't me. we? Yeah. Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us right here on DWS. Us for fighting Illini women's basketball Sunday at 1 as they battle the Nittany Lions of Penn State in Happy Valley. Mike Kuhn on the play-by-play Sunday at 1. Moving up on 1030 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, with you until 11. We've been going on since 9 o'clock, talking mainly about the last night's ball game in Champaign-Urbana, where Maryland came in and beat the Illini 75-66. A lot of conversation about that ball game, some of the strategies involved. Maryland going to a very effective zone defense. 
the uh, two-foul situation on a couple of players in the first half. And we'll continue down those lines and maybe some other lines on Big Ten basketball with Jess Settles from BTN who joins us. Good morning, Jess. Hey, good morning, fellas. Um, I was a tough loss for Illinois last night, but what a great college basketball game. And, gosh, it just seems like every every night there's a great game on. It's It's hard to survive in advance in the Big Ten. How do you rank the Big Ten right now as far as the toughness of the league as a whole? Well, it, it used to be that you could get, you know, a couple easy wins, especially at home. But right now it's just other than Nebraska and Northwestern, you just feel like you're going to be in a dogfight every single night. And with the added games, it just puts so much pressure on the kids and the coaches and the fans. And, I mean, it's obviously the best top-to-bottom league in the country I think right now some of the bracketologists have us getting 12 teams in, which probably won't happen. But I don't think it's too far-fetched at this point of the year because, you know, you saw what most of the teams in the Big Ten did in the non-conference. But right now it's just, uh, it's just hard to win ball games, and you just you embrace everyone you can get, that's for sure. Eight games left for some, nine left for others in the Big Ten. It's probably too early to start thinking. But I'll ask you anyway, do you see a team in the Big Ten that might be built pretty well for a long run in the postseason? I mean, I think the top five or six teams this year are built for a long run. I I wouldn't be surprised if we get multiple teams to the Sweet 16. Um, If you look around the country, I mean, there aren't a ton of great teams. Kansas is pretty good. Baylor is winning pretty big. The Zags are good, but there's not a Zion Williamson out there. There's not some elite lottery pick guard that everybody's just afraid of. So I think the Big Ten coaches and players would go into all those, uh, you know, Sweet 16, Elite Eight type of games, expecting to win, expecting to have those games come down to the wire. So yeah, I mean, if there's ever been a year to take advantage of a down year in college basketball, I think the Big Ten's got a great opportunity in front of it if everybody can stay healthy and uh, not beat themselves up too much over the next couple of weeks. You know, you uh, Jess, you mentioned uh, lottery picks, and th- th- there may not be a great lottery pick, but there are going to be some lottery picks that aren't going to make the tournament. I mean, North Carolina's got one. Uh, Anthony, I don't know where they stand. Uh, Georgia's got a pr- great player, and I don't know where they where – the, you know, are they going to get in? I, I would think not. So uh, I, the, I, the other thing uh, in the tournament – is all these teams are going to be playing. I think they reach the Sweet 16 some weeks by beating other teams in the league because they're going to be playing each other because they're all going to be about the same level when they go in, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be hard to fill that bracket out, Lauren. I might have to call you the day before. And It'll be hard. Because it's really going to be hard. And, and, you know, it's just so many teams are trying to get older. Um, you lose these really elite players most of the time after your freshman year, and some of these teams with grad transfers and and guys who stick around like a Luca Garza, you know, like Oturu and some of these sophomores and juniors, you know, it gives you an advantage. I think we saw that for Texas Tech and Virginia last year. But it, it's a it's a real toss up and it's an interesting time in college basketball because it, it used to be even the guys who were leaving early, Lauren, they would usually only leave if they were guaranteed first round money. Yeah. And what you saw last year with the G League and with some of these two-way contracts that the NBAs are enticing these players with, you see a lot of guys like Tyler Cook from Iowa, Amir Coffey from Minnesota, Roby from Nebraska, uh, Nick Ward from Michigan State. Those are kids who left college basketball 
and the glory of Big Ten basketball to go in the second round. And, you know, you take those guys out of the equation and it just it waters down the the talent a little bit and it just makes it more competitive and more wide open. But that's a fascinating trend right now in college basketball to where they're, these guys are leaving without even getting a lot of guaranteed money. Yeah, I think the G League is starting to attract players that, you know, they may not be happy once they get there, but they they don't have to go right. to class. They don't have to go to class, so that maybe that's an enticement. I think mo- I think many of them will regret that. I mean, you even look at a kid like Iggy Bras Degas at Michigan. Yeah, um, there was a kid that I mean, Lauren. I mean, we've talked about him before. He probably would have been Player of the Year in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, yeah, and yet he leaves. He goes second round to the Knicks, and I guarantee you, if he came on your show tomorrow and he was being honest, he would say, I sure wish I was at Michigan getting ready for March Madness. And, yep. you know, yep. to each his own, you got to do what you got to do. But my goodness, it, it sure looks better on paper than when you get on those buses and those Super 8s and you're traveling all over and nobody's watching or cares about your game anymore. It's, but those are, those are life lessons you have to uh, – you know, you have to live through sometimes to learn. Whatever Jeff. happened to the guys that stayed around for six years? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I, our, well, who was our all-six-year team? It was Evan Eschmeyer yeah. at Northwestern, yeah. Yeah. Danny Earl at Penn State. I always, We always let Robbie Hummel on it, even though he was there for five years, but it felt like six. <laughs> and then there was – who was the guard at Illinois three or four years ago who got his sixth year? I can't even remember who that was. Oh, gee. Sixth year, I'm, yes, I'm, what, I'm blank on under that. Under Gross, he played right under Gross. He had the knee problems. I think he got his sixth. Tracy year. Abrams. Yeah, it, was that six years? Tracy I it was five. Abrams. My goodness. Right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So they're about. We we actually have a team, Lauren. I'm I'm the coach. <laughs> We're gonna need a general manager. So if you're not doing anything next week, I'm gonna hire you. <laughs> What's your take, uh, Jess Settles, on Illinois? They went seven and one in January. They've started February zero and two. And, you know, basketball is when you play somebody, but uh, certainly they're in the tough stretch of their schedule right now. But what have you seen changed maybe uh, since February has started? You know, that's a good question. I, I really like their team. I mean, these are tough losses at Iowa, at home to Maryland. They they could have easily won those games. And, and that's just – those are the heartbreakers and – um, the grind of the Big Ten, but I like I like their depth, I like their size, I like their guards. Um, I, I just think it's all positive right now. The, they have Michigan State coming in next, correct? Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that becomes game of the year if they want to, you know, go where they feel like they can go and and hold their ranking. But I, I just like their team. They the free throws killed them last night. I thought um, they missed some shots that they normally make. But it seems like they have a great chemistry. They play together, and I, I really don't have anything bad to say about them. I don't. I don't. I haven't noticed much of a change since February. I think their defense obviously is well documented. How they've changed their defense, and they're much more sound defensively. I think they got guys who can close. I love Io, so I. I, I think they're going to have a you know a positive finish to this year. Even though some good teams in the league are going to lose three or four games in a row, and. I guess fan bases are going to hit the panic button, but we'll we'll see. I, I like their team. But just what happened to uh, Iowa after they left uh, Illinois? They went to Purdue. How'd that game turn out? I, I, I have no idea what happened there, other than 
other than but it's like that old Michael Jordan movie where it wasn't really the guys who came it was it was the, the real players stayed home that day <laughs> it's um I don't know what it is with Purdue. Have, Lauren, have you ever seen anything like that? I mean, no. The three biggest lopsided okay. wins in, in their history over, over ranked teams this year. Yeah, I, they, they just have – Matt Painter will tell you they just have a solid team. They've got a lot to work on. And yet at Mackey, other than Illinois, they're just blitzing everybody. I mean, the game is over by halftime. And then you go out on the road and they lose at Nebraska, and they should have lost at Northwestern. So I don't, I don't know what the heck happened. They were kind of in video game mode against Iowa, where every, even the walk-ons were knocking in threes at the end of the game. Well, so where do we go from here now? What, what do you see happening down the stretch here? And is, is, is Maryland in a position to, to, to run off with this thing? I, I don't, I don't think they'll run off with it i think there's some more losses coming for them i mean these guys should have lost at northwestern the other night they lost at wisconsin they rutgers gave them everything they had without young so there's really no way to predict it what's what's crazy i was looking at the standings late last night and and the way it looks to me even a team like iowa and illinois you know a few more wins and they're obviously right there at the top but a few more losses and they dropped close to the bottom. Yeah. So it, it's it's going to be, at the end of the year, you're going to see even maybe a team like Michigan that's on the, on the bubble and finish low, even though they have a really good team, and they're going to probably knock some people off at home. So, I mean, you've been covering it longer than I have, and I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's, it's really been fascinating to watch, and I don't think anybody's going to run away from, with it. Hey, Jess, we appreciate your time. Always love talking Big Ten basketball with you. We'll do it again a time or two before the season's over if you're up for that. I love it, guys. appreciate being on. Hey, Lauren, I had a wonderful time the other night with Coach Henson when I was in town. And Wasn't that great? I sure appreciate you taking me out there. I was, that was really an impactful night for me, buddy. It really was. Me too. Thanks okay. a lot, Jess. Thank you, Jess. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, you Lauren. Bet. Jess Settles from a BTN with us here at 1040. We'll take a break. On Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk, be back with more after this. Moving up on 1045, Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Still got time for your phone calls if you want to jump in. Most of the topic uh, this morning, most of the discussion on the Illinois-Maryland game last night. On the Big Ten schedule today, Michigan State at Michigan, Purdue at Indiana, Minnesota at Penn State, Nebraska at Iowa. Illinois women's hoops back in action tomorrow at Penn State at 1 o'clock. If you missed it earlier, Illinois wrestling. Nice win on the road last night over a top 25 team. The Illini are ranked 15th. They beat the number 25 Rutgers out in New Jersey 29-6. They play at, uh, they wrestle at Maryland on Sunday. Men's tennis lost to number 3 Florida 7-0. Women's tennis lost to uh, UCLA Four nothing. Softball opened the season with an eight to two win over Liberty, and then played an exhibition, a five inning exhibition, as it turned out, against Team USA, losing eleven to nothing. Women's gymnastics won at Penn State in a close meet last night. Those are some of the headlines. Much of the discussion about the basketball game last night and things that happened inside of that ball game, including taking key players out when they get two fouls. Brad Underwood to talk about that on a couple of occasions in his post-game press conference with the media. We actually did put Georgie back in 
uh, for a few minutes uh, with with two. I trust him a lot more than I do, uh, you know, Kofi being a freshman in that situation. But uh, uh, you know, we were in a good, we were in a, really in a pretty good flow. I know Trent's value to our team, and I didn't want him to have. I knew he was, especially on the defensive end. But uh, you know, yeah, maybe it's something we think about a little differently now. Brad Underwood on the two foul situation a little bit later on. He had uh, some further comments on that. You know, Trent impacts us so much on the defensive side that uh, you know it's not a it's not a shock that they had the first half they had when we lose when we lose Trent and and uh, I thought he turned down a few in the in the second half that we need him to take. But uh, again, uh, you know, just one of those nights for those guys. And uh, you know, I thought uh, you know Georgie got some great great looks that just you know, didn't didn't go in and and um, you know, I mean, got an offensive rebound right at the mouth of the uh, mouth of the rim. He missed. So um, we'll be back and 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 we'll you know those there'll be a night where those will all go in. Georgie's in a real funk and and it's a problem for the team because you need him. He's been in single figures now, thirteen out of sixteen games, and that's just that's that doesn't help. And and the turnovers don't help either. He and, and he only had what two three rebounds and. Just not, uh, just not the same Georgie that we saw last year, and it's just been a tough, tough season for him. And I don't know that there's an answer. I don't know that. I mean, I mean, I, at the very least, he has to back up Kofi at center when Kofi's out, and Kofi's been missing a lot of minutes uh, in these games. Let's see. Uh, last night, Kofi played 27 minutes. That's 13 minutes he was out, and uh, Georgie has to fill in that center position when he's out. And Io, who's been kind of carrying the load, he had 16 points last night in almost 37 minutes, but he had four of the uh, 12 turnovers in the ball game. Uh, Kofi had three, Georgie had two. You think about Georgie's because they came at such a key moment there, oh uh, yeah, late in the ball game. But yeah, uh, that, Io it, did it, have four. It it it, uh, it hits you right in the face because it reminds you what happened against Iowa. He did the same thing, turnovers in the backcourt that just cost Illinois possession and, and then the basket of course that followed it but Illinois only had Illinois had 12 turnovers the same as Maryland that was a, that was a standoff um, and a lot of area everything's a stand Illinois really dominated every statistic except one <laughs> they didn't make baskets they missed shots they got more shots they got more free throws they got more opportunities they had more offensive rebounds I mean they they did a lot of good things but if you don't make baskets you don't get points there's there's nothing uh, you know, it's not horseshoes. You don't get anything for close. Andres Feliz, the only other Illini in double figures with 12. He was 6 out of 14 in 29 minutes of play. Missed all three of his three-point shots, but certainly still a key guy. And as you might guess, he's pretty confident that the uh, team will bounce back in their next game, which, as just Settles just told us, uh, might be the game of the year, at least uh, at this point, because it is the next game against Michigan State, here's what Andres Felice said after the ball game. We're bouncing back. That's all I know. I know, like, I have a lot of comfort in my team. We're going to get back tomorrow, practice, focus for the next game, and, you know, we're going to get the next one because we, we we, we're more than capable than that. I know my team, and we just um just got to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, stay together, and we're going to be fine. We're going to bounce back. And it really becomes a key game uh, as you look at the schedule because it precedes back-to-back road games out east yep. at Penn State and at Rutgers. So, uh, but Michigan State's coming off a 75-70 loss to Penn State. 
So they're, uh, you know, their backs to the wall. Illinois' backs to the wall. This is, <laughs> this is the way it is. And Michigan lost that game to Penn State at home and plays on the road today at Michigan. And Michigan is playing, you know, just about everybody's playing for their postseason life in some yeah. degree or another You're right not now. not kidding. With, with eight games to go. Who do you like in that ballgame? Oh, I like Michigan State. I don't know where Michigan is, but uh, I think, but I'm, I'm going against the home court. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know where Michigan's head is right now. They've had so many things happen here, and this uh, Simpson thing is uh, is bound to be a dis, you know, just a distraction. Although, I, I guess maybe it's behind him. But his uh, his car wreck at three o'clock in the morning doesn't sound good to me. Nothing good happens at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't think with uh, with young people. Purdue's at Indiana today. Handicap that one for me. <laughs> Well, Indiana's Indiana's going to beat Purdue, okay, at Indiana, but the, that's not the question about that game. You know what the question is: Is Knight going to show up with the 1980 basketball team that's having their celebration, and is Dick Vitale going to be there, and is Dick Vitale going to in, induce Knight into coming? Does Dick Vitale have that kind of power? Yeah, probably does. Well, I don't know. With Bob Knight, I'm not sure anybody's telling I, I, him what to do. Yes, his wife is. <laughs> I, I, people tell me his wife has a lot to do with what he does. But he, you say, well, he can't go out. Well, he can go out. He went to Marion for a basketball game. He just went for so, two games there. That was yeah. a doubleheader. What's the attraction? Well, one of his former players was was involved in the game as a coach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That I didn't know that. But um, I, I knew that he went. But... But he, he's living in Bloomington, but he's not going to the games, you know. And, and if he goes, it'll be a, a big event. How does Bob Knight live in Bloomington and stay out of sight? Well, I don't know. I mean, you got to go out and do some things, don't you? Well, yeah. I don't know where he, where he goes to eat. I don't know what he does. I mean, I just don't know. That, that's, a, that's a new thing. It's, it's his first year back, and living there and and I, I you know you got me there I don't know I don't know what happens I don't know where he where he hangs out Minnesota plays at Penn State at three o'clock Nebraska at number 17 Iowa at five those are the other games on the Big Ten schedule today two games tomorrow Ohio State plays at Wisconsin again both those two teams trying to build their resume to get into the NCAA tournament and a Northwestern We'll take on Rutgers on the road tomorrow at 5.30. So a lot on the line here. Everybody's playing for something a little little different. And uh, what you're playing for this week may not be what you're playing for next week. You know, if you're you're towards the top of the Big Ten uh, standings and you drop a game or two, then you're, you're still well, trying to get into the tournament, obviously. Here's the good news. We've got a little excitement going on around here. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got a, a full gym and we've got people calling in and complaining you know, when you're losing a bunch of games, they, they don't complain much. They just give up. You know, that that's the worst thing. The good thing is that they're, they're criticizing strategy because you only criticize strategy if it matters. And it doesn't matter if you're losing twice as many games as you win. One guy we haven't heard from, we heard from uh, Brad Underwood on a couple of occasions and Andres Feliz. This is uh, the winning coach last night, Mark Turgeon, on the game. Obviously, that's a great win for us. Um, Illinois has played as well as anybody in our league. Obviously, they were tied for first. They've been really hot lately. Um, you know, they're just a really talented group with, with size. And in this building, they're really great defensively. And they made some shots early we didn't think they could make. 
and they made four threes, guys that we really kind of wanted shooting the ball, and they made them all. And um, and we kind of lost ourselves for a little bit, but um, the zone changed it for us. Um, got us back in the game. We started to make some shots, gave us confidence, and then we were able to play defense in the second half the way we play defense. Um, play man-to-man, -man, lock in, guard, guys locked in. We rebounded better in the second half. They missed some open ones for us, which always helps. And, um, and then we executed at a high level. We made some tough shots. That's Maryland basketball coach Mark Turgeon. 10.54, we need to take a final break. We'll do that and be back with more after this. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Appreciate you doing that, David. And we are out of time. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Mr. Tate, appreciate your time as right. always. Thanks to Kathy Reiser as well for her help behind the scenes here. And thanks to Bruce Douglas, David Jones, and Jess Settles for joining us as guests on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Steve Kelly, have a good weekend, everybody.